Andre does it so powerfully well. Thank you for that. When I, when I uh, wrote him a little while back and said, can we do this on the Lord's Supper Day? And he was gracious to do this. It's been one of my favorite since I was just uh, years old. It's about identity, isn't it? It really speaks to that. Some of you have been kind and said, uh, glad to have you back. Let me just say, this is just wonderful to be back. It's kind of weird, isn't it? I've been gone just one Sunday, and I feel like it's been forever. Um, but that's a good thing, I think. That's a good thing. We went to London uh, for uh, about 10 days with, with a group of doctoral students uh, many of whom were pastors, uh, to study how do you do church in a highly secularized society. And London, of course, is that. Uh, if some of you are questioning that, they are st- just a tad bit more than Nacogdoches, Texas. <laughs> Still, when you face that, and we uh, had studies and readings in the morning, and then we met with church leaders of various kinds, during the afternoons and evenings. And, and when you face that, you immediately face a question. So what matters? What really matters? When everything around you is not what you consider what we used to do, but strongly, highly secularized in every which way or religionized in other ways than it used to be then the question of identity comes to the therefore. What really matters? And you know, the question of identity is a big question and it has been for a long time for all of us. Everybody asking, who are we? Who, are, who am I? You know, who are we as a church? What, what is identity? And if you think, well, I'm making this up, just try to look at how many people are taking these tests like Myers-Briggs or these kind of personality inventory. And, you know, people are totally infatuated with this. I can't figure out who I am, so I'm t- asking, answering a hundred questions on a test, and now I'm told who I am because I couldn't figure it out, and then someone else can tell me just by me answering a couple of questions, and now I know what I'm supposed to do, right? <laughs> the Bible speaks of identity throughout but it often does it in a context of calling, what God has called us to be. And identity is found in our call and purpose. And I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to read a little text for you from beginning in verse 12 that you're probably going to think as we read it, what in the world is he going to say about that? It's just a list of names. But God's word speaks to us about being called. Calling in scripture has to do with purpose. What are we here for? Who are we? What are we supposed to be about? Call often has to do with being summoned by God. And we know that. We know that, that there are certain calls that, that are upon certain people's lives, and we see that. And we even use it somewhat broadly, even in, in, in non Christian type context, right? We would just say, 
I mean, she's approaching her job as if it was a call, and it may be a nurse or a school teacher or something like that. And which is, by that means that there's a clear, explicit purpose that comes through in the way this is done, yes? And I think that is how uh, we see this. It's, it's like a summon of God has happened in this area. And so God's word speaks to us about being called. Israel was called throughout the Old Testament. We see that the prophets were called. And in the New Testament, all the disciples, all those who are followers of Jesus Christ are called, chosen for a specific task or purpose. But the question is, what does that mean? What does it mean to be called or even chosen when we speak and use these words today? We're just sitting here on an average Sunday, Nacogdoches, Texas, 2016. And we read these verses, chapter 6, verse 12 of Luke. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. And when the morning came, he called his disciples to him. And he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter. His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. What about this? I wonder how you hear this. The calling of the disciples. I, I have this sneaking suspicion that many of us are thinking of the call of Jesus' disciples as something like this. Here they are, people just kind of doing their job. Some are just honing a piece of board. They're being carpenters. Others are fishers. They're holding a net. Others are doing other things. And they're just doing their business. And then all of a sudden, this stranger that they have never heard of walks by and he says, follow me. And they go, okay. And so they drop everything they have, everything they hold, and they get rid of their families. And they just walk after Jesus, this man they've never known. A lot of people kind of get that feel. That's probably not how it was. Probably not. Jesus' reputation has far preceded him. They had heard of the miraculous wonders that God was doing through this man. They had seen some of them, probably him laying hands on someone sick. They knew that this was fatal and, and they were raised to walk again. Some of them had heard and certainly this was not just, who's this guy again? Okay, let me drop everything and just go. They had heard and now... This time had come when they had to make a decision about this one called Jesus. All the things that they've heard, all the things that they might have seen, all the things that were, were wrapped up in this reputation about this man who was from God was the true and decision was now theirs 
as Jesus stood before them and said, follow me. Follow me. They were chosen, if you will, to follow Jesus. I wonder if that's your experience. There's nothing inherently different between the way anyone meets Jesus and the way the disciples met Jesus. Surely, physical circumstance was different. Surely, the exact experience of it was different. But in its essence, it's the same thing. People had heard what this man of God was all about, and now he stood there and said, follow me. That's the same thing that will happen to all of us. And Jesus is here creating a new community. A new people of God. Don't think that it was coincidental that the number was 12. This corresponded directly to the 12 tribes of Israel. All that you'll ever know about the purpose of God's people is grounded in this. And so Jesus is saying, I'm creating a new community. I'm creating a new people of God. Beginning with these 12. There's a direct correlation and connection between this. The difference is that this is not a special race. This is not a special nation. This is not built around people of a special kind. This is built on people with the same testimony. Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God and the Lord of Lords. That's it. And that's that new community, and we sang about it just a minute ago. Like me, love each other. You know, there's, there's just something strange, you have to admit. That whole word call and, and election and all that kind of stuff, it's just weird to us if you're honest with yourself, right? One of the things that we saw also in Britain again and again and again was the only thing that works is integrity. The only thing that truly can project who you are is you're real to the bone. People will look right through you if you're just putting on a facade that is not real. And so if we're honest with ourselves, that language is somewhat distant to us today. So I want us to look just for a second at that whole question. What does it mean to be chosen or called by God? Kind of an astounding thing when you think about it. If you go back to the Old Testament, you will see that all of this is wrapped in this whole calling of Israel, the people of God, and we can't disconnect that from the grand story of God. And that's one of the reasons we're going to deal with that on Sunday nights, beginning next Sunday night. The grand story. So here we are. Everything was great. God had created and he saw all was good. 
And we were living in God's presence and we said, we don't need that. We can do so on our own. We don't need God. And so we were removed from God's presence. God still, though, decided a relationship with his people. But we just, it got worse and worse and worse. And you know the story, first of, of Cain and Abel and then of Noah and then of the Tower of Babel in chapter 11 of Genesis. And everything was scattered and splintered and thrown away. Then next chapter 12, Abraham, here's God's call that he was to be a blessing to all the nations. That he was going to be the father of faith and there were going to new people kind of grow up that were going to be a light unto the nations to talk about God's grace, to tell about God's, God's covenant with his people, to let them know about God's love. However, or however else could they know. If no one tells him so, to be called, to be elected is to have a purpose. God is not called to give us a status. I can now call myself one of the elect or one of the saved ones. He says, I want you to be my disciples, to be a light unto the nations. That's the purpose, friends, of being called out and chosen by Jesus. Call always has a purpose. Always. Always. Not about position. Not about status. But about purpose. So the first we hear, the first call, the great calling we have in the Bible is actually the one I just referred to, Abraham's call in, in chapter 12. And and God is calling, first he's telling Abraham to leave the land that you know, go into a land that I will show you. And what was the purpose? Read it in chapter 12 or 3 and 4. You can do that when you get home. To be a blessings to the nations, to all the following generations, if you will. Through you, God says. All the coming generations shall be blessed. What does that mean? Through you, all the coming generations shall know of the presence of God that it has come near. Through you, you will see the effect being, of the fall being changed. Through that testimony and that presence, you'll begin to see the restoration as God again is moving among his people. This is powerful stuff, friends. We're not just playing games here, right? If you're facing this stuff straight on, that's what purpose and calling it all about. And then if you, again, are thinking a little bit deeper than just reading the surface of this, it's just kind of biblical text, and you kind of get brain numbed when you read this. You see what's going on with this. He just gives this, and he has no kids. And so, finally, and I don't have time to get into this now, he gets one son, Isaac, and so God renews his calling to Isaac. 
I'll confirm the oath I gave your father Abraham because Abraham, your father, obeyed my word and kept my regulations. And then again, in, in Isaac's son, Jacob, you have that same renewal of the covenant and the purpose statement again. Through your seed, all the generations shall be blessed. And then if you follow the story, you know that things went somewhat haywire. They went back to Egypt, and now they're in Egypt. They're enslaved in Egypt. And then comes the call again to Moses. At the burning bush, and we talked about having burning bush moments not too long ago, and, and you see there's some powerful, powerful stuff right here. And he comes and he says, that promise, that call I gave to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm giving you here. Bring my people out of captivity. He was called to be a tool for God, an agent in God's kingdom, if you will. And then the one who followed him, Joshua, the exact same thing. Be strong and courageous for you will give this people the land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is powerful stuff when you start thinking about God has called us right here, friends. Nacogdoches, Texas. You wonder about our identity? That's it. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, your identity is found in him, and this stuff is about you and me, yes? And there's a very kind of intriguing thing that, that is going on here that, that I'd like to just kind of uh, bring to your attention. In Exodus chapter 35, about as strong as it gets here, he's talking to people who did not have necessarily a, a specific direct calling, this is what I need to do, but they understood their calling as part of the people that God had given a special call. And so now in verse 21, everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the, te of the, on the tent of meetings, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold and jewelry of all kinds. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings and all that they had to God. I mean, how do you have a more powerful, majestic text than this? To kind of highlight that even those who don't sense that God had put a very specific call, a very specific purpose of my life, I still see that this overarching call that is upon me as a Christian as part of his community, all and everything I'm about needs to point to that same purpose. They knew these people who were able to do things with their hands, who were able to, to do things and be able to bring things to God that 
ultimately life's success, bringing even significance to life, is dependent upon God's grace and blessing. As scripture says so clearly, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. This is clear throughout. We just saw all the patriarch and the historical books and now if you turn to the prophets again, we stand suddenly with Isaiah who just shouts out in this famous verse from chapter six, Lord, here I am, send me whatever you need, whatever I have to give, whatever gifts you have given me, whatever, I'm here, use me, send me anything, Lord, I can do to fulfill your purpose for this world. Are we getting this, friends? How easy is it to reduce our call to just a couple of inspirational meetings we attend every so often? God is in the process of restoring the world back unto himself, and he's going to use Go figure. People like you and me. Sometimes I'm thinking if I'd been God, I would have found another plan. Knowing me. But I'm not ever second guessing our Lord. I hope we see the power of the. If we get to the New Testament, You'll see again, it's a, this call is not just given to the few like the Isaiah and the Jeremiah and the Samuel and all these. It's given to everyone who calls Jesus Lord and Master. New dimensions are here and the language is plentiful and it speaks to all kinds of things. For example, it's a call to fellowship, a call to community, a call to follow Jesus, a call to find peace with Christ, a call to freedom, a call to new hope, a call to receive eternal life, etc., etc., etc. Not many different calls. One call. But all these things are speaking to this one call that goes out to all people. Everyone who is willing to open their minds and their hearts to listen to him. When he knocks on their door and they know what they've heard This is not the first time they ever hear this. Who is this guy again? The rumors have preceded him. And now he stands there and says, would you follow me? Would you follow me? You know, I run into people uh, often who say, well, you know, you give all these kind of biblical examples and there are people who who are very special, there's a Moses and there's a David and there you know, grand people like Peter and, and John and Paul. And I'm not like that. My name is not Simon Peter. I don't see and hear these things. 
I find it hard enough just to get a grip on my own life. All the things that are going on in, in my situation. Well, if that's your attitude, let me remind you of the 12. There's a Simon and an Andrew. Both were fishermen. They just liked to hang out on the lake. One was rough, unpolished, rude at times. The other one, introverted, shy, cautious. You got two others, James and John, fishermen as well. They were pretty well known for a very aggressive, let me put that's a kind of way of saying that, temperament. If you talk to your kids, you would call it a hissy fit. Now, one time they're out and someone is not doing what they want them to do and they just said, Lord, why don't you just call hell and brimstone down and kill them all? And they're pretty ambitious too. They get Jesus to the side and said, hey, could you not secure when you get to heaven a seat on the left and the right side of the throne for us? You know people like that? Then there's Matthew. And there's Simon the Zealot. Like opposite types. Matthew serving the enemy. Tax collector for the enemy. Money man that you can't trust as long as you can throw anything. And then Simon the Zealot, a freedom fighter who hated these other guys and who were willing to kill them all. And then you got Philip and Judas, son of Jacob. They're kind of dense. Didn't quite get it all the time. Like Jesus just tells them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and they say, well, you know, why don't you show us the Father? Like, what? You got Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, as he's called in other places, and Thomas, doubting skeptics. I don't know about this. Can anything good come out of Israel, or out of Nazareth, I mean? What do we know about doubting Thomas? We got Judas Iscariot, the traitor, and the other James, both remember for negative things. James the little. <laughs> Friends, I say this just to say it doesn't matter who you are. What matters is who you can become. That's it. It was indeed a quote, motley crew that Jesus had found. But Jesus saw in those 12 what he also sees in each of you, even this morning. The possibility of truly becoming his servant. The possibility of becoming someone who can bring blessing 
not just to your own life, but to the life of others. Jesus had a very clear vision for the world. The question is, are you willing to join that vision with him? That's really, friends, the call this morning. If you want to know about identity, don't ask Myers Briggs or any of these other 1,500 and be told you're a leopard or a lion or an otter, whatever that's called. Look at your calling. That will give you identity. You hear me. I'm not trying to speak down other things. I'm just saying Christian identity is found in our calling from God. And with this, I want to invite everyone who is follower of Christ to the table. This is not our table. This is his table. And really, when you think about it, that is an identity table. We miss this point so often because we also sterilize this stuff. We just go through motions. But think about it this way. This is the Last Supper, yes? They're celebrating the Passover, and Jesus transforms this into the Lord's Supper. They came together and they do so still, if you've not ever sat in a Jewish family or doing a set of meal, you will know that part of that whole meal is that they go through this and one at the table is supposed to ask the dad and said, dad, why are we doing this? And he said, let me tell you a story. And he tells the story about God, how he has worked and walked with his people. And when they're done, they know exactly who they are, yes? That's the story also our families should tell our kids. No one should know, not know who they are. This is also when we, the story we tell as a church. When they come through, they know who they are. This is why we do. This is an identity meal. And so Jesus calls his to sit around this table.